hey you. I want to share with you something that I genuinely think will transform your life and your business, to be honest. HDX is open from now until May 17 with a few special bonuses. Join before May 11 and get my eight-week Purpose and Abundance course completely free, which is $888 worth of value. And if you join before May 17, we're actually going to give you $999 off our upcoming Mexico retreat. I mean, how good a freaking deal is that? And if you join before May 17, then you'll be in time for two amazing bonus classes this month in HDX with my personal business consultant, Nikki Rowley. Now, this is the woman that has helped scale my business significantly in the last year or so, and I am sharing her with my HDX community. She'll be teaching on how to grow and scale for business and what strategies and structures will actually get you there. She will also host a bonus business Q&A, which means you can actually ask my consultant anything you want to ask her about growing and scaling your business. This is an opportunity that could transform your life and your business, so don't miss out. I would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet today, the Arakwell people of the Bunjalung Nation, and pay my respects to the elders past, present, and emerging. Are you ready to win at the game of life? Well, throw out that rule book and get down to the business of being the best and most authentic version of you. Welcome to the Human Design Podcast. We're changing the rules around success, abundance, purpose, love, and life, where we're creating a planet where everyone can thrive in a world that loves and supports each other. I'm your host, Emma Dunwoody, a qualified master coach, human design expert, podcaster, and entrepreneur that is living the life of my dreams, breaking all the rules while doing it, making a huge impact, and living my design and manifesting miracles on the daily. Join me as I break down and simplify everything you need to live in alignment with your human design, teach you how to recondition your unconscious mind for greatness, and to take back your power so you can manifest your heaven on earth and serve the rest of the planet at the same time. It's time to give up the fear and step into your highest potential, to reach for the stars, to know and live your greatness. It's what you deserve and it's what the planet really needs from you. So buckle up and enjoy the ride. This week, I'm talking to the brilliant Ava Johanna, who is a 1-3 splenic projector, right angle cross of Contanion. And Ava, after working with brands like Arlo Yoga, Mind Body Green and Wonderlust, built the Academy of Breath, a 12-week breathwork and meditation certification that has now certified over 500 students across the globe. Blending science, mysticism and business, the Academy of Breath is blazing a trail in the breathwork industry, making the practices more accessible than ever before while providing teachers, coaches, and leaders with the tools to be able to increase their quality of life, lower their stress, and make a global impact on the world. So enjoy today's conversation. Hey, hey, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I am super excited to talk all things breathwork with the amazing Ava Johanna. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I feel like this conversation is going to be just so much fun. 
I know. Before I even hit the record button, I'm like, what? We can talk about breath work and the different types? I'm like, oh, we are so going down that that rabbit hole. But yes. before we get to that, I just want to let everyone know that you're a 1-3 splenic projector, cross of Cantanian. Um, and just out of curiosity off the bat, before we even get to your story, do you have your own system of breath work, even though you've trained in many ways? Do you have your own system? Yes. So over the last two years, we've really developed this, what we call the journey, which is a blend of breathwork and music and breathing to the beat, essentially, and really a, a, a journey in elevating, right? Because breathwork is such a practice in being able to shift and elevate our emotional state and music is as well, too. And so that's really the bridge that we created. And it's been so cool to just see this new lens of breathwork that spans outside of the yoga studio. Cause for a while, I think that was kind of the only place where it existed. And when I found it, I was like, no, let's flip this on our head, on its head and create something that no one's ever seen before. Oh my God. I love it because it's just, you know, you're just such a perfect example of a projector being in alignment, you know, like seeing this great potential, this brilliant thing that is breath work and then actually going, hang on a second, we can do even better than this. But before we kind of get to that, I want to start with your story. Um, I always ask my guests, I'm like, there was a time in your life and it's, it's potentially a dark night of the soul. It's this, this challenge that catalyzed your purpose, you know, like who you've become today and who you'll become in the future. And I'd really love to hear a bit of that story, like from that time where maybe you couldn't see the potential that lay within, maybe you were faced with a specific challenge, but in that moment you were called to this adventure of being you and creating what you're creating today. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that journey? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like I've had several dark nights of the soul. Anytime that I'm just ignoring what I know to be true inside of me, the universe tends to slap me silly until I start paying attention. But I think the biggest, I mean, the biggest character builder slash like space and time where who I am truly developed was back in high school when my mom, my sister, and I were evicted from our home and spent the better portion of a year jumping around from neighbors' houses to friends' houses to family members' houses and not knowing where we were going to sleep that night, not knowing how my mom was going to put a roof over our head or where she was going to get the food for us to eat. And so having your very fundamental basic needs as a human being not being met while at the same time living in such an affluent area and seeing such a disparity in like the difference between how I was living and how like my best friends were living. It created this fire within me to create such a different experience for myself. And, you know, at at that moment of time in anger and trauma and in grief, I vowed that I would never be in that situation again. I would never be homeless. I would never put my family in that position. And that really set me down this path of hustling to run as far away from my past as possible and as quickly as I could. And while at first I feel like the drive and the hunger to succeed came from this place of like really not feeling safe because if, you know, I remember there was this one time where we were staying at a neighbor's house and her um, little boys had 
ADHD. And at the time I was like a sophomore. I had no idea what ADHD medication was, Adderall, Ritalin. And the she couldn't find her son's Adderall and they blamed me for it, said that I stole it and kicked us out. And we had no idea where we, where we were going to live or where we were going to sleep that night. It was at like six o'clock at night. My mom, I got home and my mom was like, you can't even go inside. She won't allow you inside. And I was just angry because I felt unseen. I felt, I mean, and you're going to hear me say all of the things that are like the shadow sides of projector. I felt unseen. I felt misunderstood. I felt unsafe. And I was brokenhearted and I just never wanted to feel that way ever again. And so I set down this path of climbing the corporate ladder while at the same time getting into really unhealthy relationships with the guy that looked good on paper but treated you like crap because I thought that the only way that I would be safe is if I had a man to take care of me because my mom wasn't able to take care of us after she left my stepdad. So I had this crazy story around what relationships are and what a woman is capable of. And it really wasn't until my body broke down on me in the corporate space because I was working 10 to 12 hour days and had migraines like literally every other week, like clockwork for two to three days that I realized like this is not all, this can't be all that there is. And luckily I had a friend at the time that introduced me to yoga and I experienced my first yoga class and like many people were like, oh my God, this feels so incredible and I want to make other people feel the same way. And so that set me down the path of discovering breath work and meditation. And after trying to fit in in the corporate world, but not being happy, not being fulfilled, being exhausted and literally sick in my body, I decided to start an Instagram page that eventually turned into a business that eventually became the Academy of Breath. And it's been the most glorious journey with multiple dark nights of the soul on the way. I love that. And, you know, like being a line three, it's, I, I totally resonate. Like I've had so many dark nights of the soul. In fact, I was listening to a, a podcast um, recently and, you know, they were talking about the um, struggle. And in fact, I also, I think I was listening to a recent podcast of yours as well. And you were talking about struggle and it dawned on me while well, I'm hearing this, this struggle piece. And I actually have the gate of struggle in my design that I've gone down that road so many times. Like I, I never struggle. Like I don't struggle at all anymore. Do I get challenges? Oh my goodness. But I feel so well equipped with challenge now, you know, like I don't feel like this is going to overwhelm me or this is scary. I feel like, okay, I've got this. I've got this. I, I can navigate. And I think that line three piece of, of you as well is just builds that resiliency and, and, you know, it sounds like it showed up. I also had to geek out on a couple of other things from your design as well, being a line one, you know, you talking so yeah. much about safety um, and not having the safety in your foundations. Like that would have been really traumatizing for you as a kid um, because it's so fundamental to you. And the, the, the piece about um, feeling brokenhearted, you know, you've got that defined G center. And when you have a defined G center, and I think yours is connected to the throat. Yeah, it is, you know, like you speak from the heart and when you're not received with that love, like it's so 
heartbreaking. So I always just love to geek out a little bit on the human yeah. design piece because I feel like we're always speaking our design, you know, um, and it's really how we can help ourselves to heal, grow, and, of course, like know our greatness, know our greatest potential. So tell me a bit about breathwork. For me, breathwork is something that as yet I've had many experiences of it. I've really enjoyed it, but I've never fully committed to a daily practice. And meditation's been massive for me. I've been meditating for 20 years. It was the first thing that really um, started to shift my depression and panic disorder. Um, Love it, love it, love it. Um, I had a fear of breath work, and maybe you can talk to a bit of that. Like I was properly afraid of what it was going to do to my body. Like the first time my hands went all funny, I was like, I'm really grateful you told me about this because I would have freaked out. But I'd love to hear how breath work came, became so important to you. Like how did it really shift your life um, before we go into, you know, how it can support others? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think for me, one of the biggest things was that I was trying to meditate for so long and it was just so hard because I had such an anxious mind. And, you know, if we look at like the actual like neuroscience of it, I was in fight or flight for decades. And so sitting down to close my eyes and be with my own thoughts and the own, and my own sensations in my body was an incredibly intense experience. And what breathwork really offered me was the ability to settle into my body, slow down create space between my thoughts so that by the time I was just breathing naturally in a more meditative state, it actually became easier for me. And I was noticing like, wow, I I can actually enjoy meditation and not feel like my mind is moving a million miles a minute. And so that was the first piece that was really big for me because again, I was, I was a yogi. Uh, I was, went through my yoga teacher training. We had people come through that would lead meditation workshops during our yoga teacher training. And I just could not do it. And so breathwork was really impactful just for my daily meditation practice and being able to sit down. And so that was a huge thing that I noticed first and foremost. But then the other thing that I always kind of joke about, because I was a big party girl back in my early 20s, is that we can use breathwork to access these psychedelic states, these trances that open us up to this part of our brain that we don't necessarily have access to when we're just in our regular waking state. And that part of our brain is what I believe connects us to greater levels of clarity with our intuition. Um, For those that resonate, connect us to God, the divine, and to that feeling of wholeness, of oneness, which really is the yogic path, right? So, I started noticing that I was able to create just through my breath alone, these beautiful, just like heart opened states just simply by breathing and not having to breathe for a longer, that long of a time either. And that really during that point in time of my life where I was trying to be better, trying to slow down on the partying, trying to invite in more empowering relationships and just you know, be a better human being and align myself with what I really desired from my life and kind of get off that hamster wheel. Breathwork was just so supportive in in helping me to see like I am capable and I am worthy of creating that because the moment that your heart cracks open during a breathwork practice, the messages that come through are so different than the the monkey mind and the anxiety and the depressive thoughts. And so it just offered me a new mind ultimately. And I really liked the quality of my mind. 
Mm, I love that it offered you a new mind. And um, I think it's really powerful just to mention to our listeners as well, you do have definition in the head and the ajna. And we actually talk a lot about this in my community about how with this sort of definition, it's like a computer running zeros and ones and meditation can be really hard because it always wants to take over. So, you know, I've always said, you know, try a mantra, but I think this is, this is even better. Um, yeah you know, being able to kind of lean into the into breath work to, to quiet the mind because it's giving, you know, it's simultaneously like a mantra, giving the mind something to do and to focus on that isn't like just don't engage with that thought, you know, like what do you mean don't engage with that thought? I'm like I'm addicted to that thought. I need to do that yes. instead of, you know. I just wanted to ask you, so one of the things that I'm fascinated by um, is one of my things is that I think that things like ayahuasca and um, mushrooms and, you know, things that help us um, change our state in a healthy and resourceful way, they're great. They're great for people healing trauma. You know, there's a lot of research being done around depression and alcoholism and all that sort of stuff. However, for me, there is this part of me that's like, "Mm, we don't need them. I just know we don't need them. I know that we can access all of this, this magic within us so can you talk a little bit about these like what do we have to be practicing breath work for a long time what sort of breath work do we need to do do we need to hold good intentions like how can we access these other states where the ego is like sitting way out in the back paddock it's not engaged we're in this whole powerful place where we're connected to our heart and to the universe like tell me a bit about how we do that how do we even access that Yeah, absolutely. So research shows us that within five minutes of specific breathwork practices, um, let's say something more calming that's going to be creating that safety in the body, we can activate the parasympathetic function, which is that rest and digest or relaxation response. So within five minutes of practicing breathwork, you can actually start to see a gentle shift within the mind. Again, gentle though. So it's not going to be some crazy altered state. It's going to be really gentle. And if I'm being honest, that's what most people need. Like most people are chronically stressed out, burnt out, hypervigilant, anxious, overwhelmed. And even though those heightened states of awareness, those psychedelic states, those altered states are sexy and fun and different. And like, really, it's the instant gratification, right, of what we're all so programmed in desiring in this life as human beings, the dopamine rush, even though it's so amazing to get there, what most of us actually need is the more calming practices. Now, those are more boring, though. It's not as sexy. You don't feel as much, but it really is what so many of us need. Now, with that being said, there's also practices that are quite gentle, like breath of fire as an example. And even though it feels a little funky and you might be like, oh my gosh, do I look weird? Am I doing this right? Within five minutes of that practice, we can access our alpha brainwave state. And then within 15 minutes, we access theta brainwaves. So theta brainwaves is really where the intuition lies. And it's that deeper inner awareness versus beta, which is what we're, what we're in right now, which is external awareness, conscious focus on something outside of you. Theta is really where we're able to access the intuition, deeper clarity within ourselves and a greater meditative state. And so that's only 15 minutes. Now, is that going to be you meeting God and like going on some like crazy trip? Probably not, maybe sometimes. But that 15 minutes is something that for the most part, all of us have. 
And for us to be able to not only turn our awareness from the external to the internal, but connect to our intuition and begin to create a dialogue with the voice inside of us that is the loving voice, not the judgmental voice. Oftentimes, that's all that we need in order to really start to create some powerful momentum in our life, become more aware of our patterns, our programs, our stories, and begin to create conscious new choices that align us with what we desire to do, who we desire to be, and what we desire to create. So I typically tell people, you don't need an hour, two hours at some breathwork journey that you go on in a yoga studio with like 30 other people while someone's playing a shamanic drum and like the tetany is happening of your palms. Like, yes, it feels good by the end of that. Absolutely. And we all know that sustainable change doesn't happen when we go attend something once a month. It happens with who we are every single day. And so I'm very much of the like rebellious nature of like, let's do breath work every single day and make it a little bit shorter, a little bit more accessible, because that's truly the way that we change the brain and the nervous system overall. I love this so much. Like for me and my journey, the number one thing that I tell everybody is <clears throat> meditation and gratitude were the two things that fundamentally changed my brain in the beginning. You know, like understanding that there were things that I could do to change the receptors in my brain and then I would have the capacity to actually change my behavior, change the way I felt. And that piece I think is so important, you know, like making it simple and accessible and you know, I talk a lot about taking imperfect action. We just need to take the imperfect action and sit for, you know, I learned to sit for three minutes. If three mm -hmm. minutes was all I had, then I would sit for three minutes. Whereas now 20 years on, um, I would never just do three minutes because everything else is going to move because I, I've got to at least get my 20 minutes in, you know. Yeah. So I love that. And I think you're so right. I think that there are so many of us out there seeking right now and we're looking for, the big crescendo, the lightning, the, all of these things, but actually change comes from small habits that we do every single day, the new small habits that we do every single day. So I just love all of that. Is there anything that you want to respond to on that? Yeah. I mean, I think that you said it so perfectly. Like it's, it's easy for us to assume that the big change is happening and momentum is happening when we can really feel it and see it and taste it and that lightning bolt strikes us. But what I've found is that every single milestone that I've ever hit in my life has been me, has, has started and been precursed by weeks, months, if not years of me choosing something differently for myself. And like you said, if it's three minutes in the beginning, it's three minutes in the beginning. But being devoted to sitting with yourself is one of the greatest acts of self-love. And it's one of the greatest ways that you can build trust within yourself as well, too. Because if you say you're going to do something and then actually go and do it, you're not breaking your trust. You're building your trust up. And so often we, and I'm sure you see this all the time, it's like so often people are scared to make a big move or scared to do something different or new in their life. And it's because they have this fear of like, well, what if I can't do it? What if I fail? What if I'm not able to live up to what is required in order for me to do this big thing? And I think that it's those daily consistent habits that we, that we choose to weave into our everyday experience 
where when we follow through on that, we actually do build that trust that is required for us to do big things in life. Yeah, I think that's really important. And it also shows us that, you know, imperfection still creates success. You know, Mm -hmm. it's that we can still turn up in an imperfect way and do the thing and succeed as opposed to that fear of like, wow, can I really do all the things? But it's just from, it's just a perspective. It's from like where you're standing, it looks scary. But if you just turn up for yourself every single day, then inevitably you you will succeed at whatever that thing is. You know, I think that one of the things when I'm asked about my success, like one of the things I say honestly is like, well, I'm a dog with a bone. I just keep turning up. As long as I'm in alignment, as long as I feel like I'm you know, listening to my design, I'm operating from strategy and authority. I'm lit up by what I'm doing. I just turn up. I just keep turning up. And some days I am tired and some days I don't want to do it, but I know the difference between being out of my comfort zone and being out of alignment. So whenever Mm -hmm. I'm out of my comfort zone, I'm like, right, we need to face this. We need to lean in and just keep turning up. So I think it's so important, you know, like building our trust with ourselves, um, keeping the promises to ourselves is really, really important. Now let's talk about, I want to talk about the different types of breath work and the types. Let's see if we can, I know you've got some experience with human design. Um, so let's have a bit of a play around with it. Um, would you like to kick off? Like what have you done already with human design or do you want to have a, uh, do you want to share some of the different methods and I can have a play around with what potentially would match that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we can go back first to the practice I just mentioned, Breath of Fire, which is a cleansing and purifying practice. It is a practice that can be more energizing and more activating, but the way that I will use it every day is in starting my day and from that energetic spiritual level, using the practice to clear out residue of whatever I have taken in from the day before, or if I'm online and see something I don't like or something doesn't go the way that I plan, I use this practice breath of fire and in Sanskrit, it's called Kapalabhati. And um, we'll use that to just help clear my energetic and spiritual body. But again, on top of that, it helps us access data brainwaves and be able to get into that more intuitive state. And so this is one of my all-time favorite practices. And To me, as a projector, it feels like such a duh, aha moment when I started practicing it because it is that clearing of your space and not taking in so much energy from the outside world. Mm, I love that. And I also thought, you know, like non-sacral beings, because I think especially for um, manifestors, I think this could be really powerful as well because obviously they need to clear out their sacral so to reflectors and from what you were saying I think it sounds really powerful for people who have definition in the head and the ajna especially the ajna like really being able to drop into that theta brainwave um, without this supercomputer that's so powerful in your mind and your superpower like that's what you're here to serve the world with um, but so that you can have some peace Mm -hmm. yeah yeah just being able to create space between the thoughts is for me, at least like when you said, like, just my head operates in zeros and ones. I'm like, Oh my God. Yes. What a, what a way to put it. Absolutely. It does. So I, I think that it's, it's the space that it creates that is huge. Yeah. And I think that it's also gives you that permission because Like I often say to people with this sort of definition, like you're never going to have that uber silent mind. It's just not going to happen. So being able to get to that place where 
you can sit behind the thinking or the the mind is so um what's the word like the vision i have is it's like the breath is making the puppy of the mind just sit quietly like the puppy's still there and its tail's still wagging and it's still eager but the breath is keeping it just at you know sit and stay so i think that's yeah i think that's really powerful Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That's so good. So the other thing that I'm thinking about is the power of calming practices again. So there's this practice called Chandra Betty, which is a um, translated from Sanskrit moon piercing breath. So it's a feminine activating practice. It helps us to activate creativity, intuition, move out of the logical, pragmatic mind and more and create a little bit more balance with our creative minds and emotional mind. And I have a girlfriend who is a generator. And it's so funny because her and I will get together and we'll, we'll podcast together and chat. And by the end of like four hours of us together, I'm like, I need a nap. And she's like, I'm going to go tackle the world and like start a new creative project. And so I see Chandra Betty being a practice that's really powerful for generators because from my understanding, generators go, go, go when it's something that they're passionate about and truly love. And the value of having a practice that supports you in gaining that greater clarity and connection to your intuition and to your creativity will support your creative projects. It will help you to be able to understand, is this in alignment or is this out of alignment so that you can make decisions that support your overall transcendence without diverting down too many pathways that are maybe like shiny object or just like not meant for you and what your passion and purpose is. Mm, I love that. As soon as you started sharing it, I was like, oh, this sounds like generators and manifesting generators, you know, like getting them back into that, the sacral creativity, being able to separate from, you know, like being able to be in the response as opposed to the mind jumping in and and like redirecting, like you said. Um, I think that sounds like a really powerful, um, a really powerful uh, practice for all sacral beings. The other thing that I thought was really coming up for me was the the one eight channel you know so this is a channel of like pure creativity and then contributing that creativity to the world so I think even if you have that in your design um it instantly makes me think of a few friends even my youngest son that like are the the cross of the sphinx like this creativity and and direction and leadership is a big thing even a defined um g center I think this would be really really powerful for because there's a lot of creativity that comes out of there because we've got the magnetic monopole in there as well. So yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. Yeah. You know, one of my students inside of the Academy of Breath, we do small group sessions where throughout the entire 12 weeks, our teachers that are going through the program come to these small groups, these small like intimate mentorship center, uh, uh, settings and they will create sequences. And one of the women that's inside of our current cohort is a human design mentor and, and coach. And she did an entire breathwork practice all about connecting to and amplifying your magnetic monopole. And it was so cool because it worked for every single type. And it was really all about like coming back into desire, amplifying the energy, using more and energizing, like activating practices that are going to create more of that like psychedelic state, but connecting it back to manifestation and really like being able to work with your aura to send out a bigger shockwave into the universe to 
call forward and create the things that you desire. So it's just so cool how we can use these practices together. And really just like when you understand the basics of breath work and the basics of the nervous system and how these different techniques support different intentions, and then you understand your type and all of the different elements of like your human design, you can play with these practices in so many different ways. And I think that's the thing that I love about having a larger toolkit of breathwork practices besides only having just one technique is that you really get to use the breath as medicine versus just kind of like slap a blanket or umbrella breathwork practice over all of the things. Because that's just not even how the body works. Yeah, absolutely. So how do we know um, what to use when? So could you maybe share, um, I know you said the the breath of fire was more about calming and clearing and then you said the, the second one was more about energizing creativity. Like could you give um, us an idea of what are some types that are going to calm us down? What are the ones that are going to get us going um, or give, bring bring us in energy? You know, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon and we've still got things to do like, oh, we need a, a pick-me-up. Yeah. Or as me specifically, like I'm a manifesting generator and one of the the things, and sleep's always been at the top of my list. Like it's my number one health focus and I've always been that way since I was tiny. I've always loved to sleep. But being a manifesting generator, especially because I, I work Monday to Wednesday and I love it, so I do all the things and I'm like fully into it. So going to sleep can be really hard. So maybe even some um, different types of breath work that we can use to calm ourselves down, calm the nervous system down. Because my biggest challenge isn't that I'm stressed or I'm anxious. I've been there, done that, but I'm overexcited. So yeah. it's hard to get myself to calm down enough to go to sleep. So I'd love to hear um, some of those options. Yeah, absolutely. So for sleep, you know, my favorite and my go-to, especially like sometimes if I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, oh gosh, got excitement on the brain right now. I will use a simple practice like box breath where it's an inhale for four, hold at the top for four, exhale for four, hold at the bottom for four, and just doing that over and over and over again, or coherent breath, which is similar, but it's a four on the inhale, like an eight on the exhale. So basically an equal ratio would be for the breath that has the retention at the top and at the bottom. And then you would just do like a one, two ratio for coherent breath. So if you're inhaling for five, you exhale for 10, et cetera. And both of those practices are activating the vagus nerve, which is directly connected to our parasympathetic function. So it triggers the relaxation response in the body. Like I said, what's really cool is that it can take five minutes. And so for those that maybe struggle with sleep or wake up in the middle of the night and feel like their mind is just super overactive and they're thinking in every which direction, using a practice like that and just like repeating to yourself, not excessively, but like just giving yourself the anchor of like the science states that it'll only take five minutes because sometimes we're like, is this working? And yeah. it's like, yes, we have so much, we have so much proof of it. So that's always my recommendation, especially because it's really simple. You can do it when you're laying down, you can do it without, you can do it with your eyes open. I, I do equal ratio breath when I'm driving in the car. So even though it's not the most exciting of practices, it is one of the most impactful of practices, so much so that Navy SEALs use it in battle in order to 
step out of the fight or flight response and step back into that homeostasis, which allows for them to be more aware of all of their surroundings versus have tunnel vision, which obviously is very important for Navy SEALs. But also it's important for us if we're trying to go to sleep and just live our everyday life and not be sent into burnout levels of, of excitement or overwhelm. So those are my favorites for sleep and more calming simplicity and they work really quickly now on the can i just jump in really quick yeah go ahead i want to say i want to share like i think i was taught box breathing many years ago when i was deep in in anxiety and i actually and and my experience you know like you i'm a line three i'm a three five and so i tried so many things and so and i was always looking for like i need to see results straight away and i was so deep doing depression and anxiety like getting results straight away was were, were that close to being not possible. Do you know what I mean? Like, because it was such an ingrained habit. Um, and I remember doing box breathing the first time and, you know, having equal measures of anxiety about my breath because my breath would actually create the anxiety yep. um, if I focused on it back then. But equal parts of, oh, my God, it's actually working. Like, it was one of the ones that I felt like, one of the things I tried with my anxiety that actually gave me results straight away. So I just, this is definitely one that I've really loved for years, like taught the kids. Um, yeah, really love it. Yeah. I mean, the breath is, it's fascinating because it it is inherently connected to our stress response. It's connected to all of the involuntary functions of the body, whether that's stress being released throughout the body, cortisol and adrenaline, or our immune system, or our even like our hormonal system. And so it's so hyper-connected to absolutely everything. And it's the one thing that is connected to everything that we have control of and control over. And so to know that if you leave your breath unchecked, and don't have control over it, it can be the thing that causes greater anxiety. But if you become aware of it and consciously control your breath in a way that activates that relaxation response, you can become a master of your stress and a master of your anxiety. I think that one of the most beautiful things, because I I struggle with anxiety too, um, and have really struggled with it in the past before I started practicing breath work, one of the most beautiful things for me to see is the amount of people that come through the Academy of Breath that struggle with anxiety and tell me within weeks that they feel like a completely different person. And mm. I think that's one of my favorite things to see and feedback to receive because I know how crippling anxiety can be and how deep of a hole it can feel like you're in. And so to know that Every single person on this planet has this free resource that they can utilize literally at any single point in time during the day. It just feels like we're working with this gift from God, this like secret code that we have inside of us that with it, we have the power of the universe. I love that. And I so resonate with that. I was going to say, it's like, it's such a gift because you know, I know so many people wrestle with anxiety these days. Um, and then for those people who don't get it, like until you've experienced it, you know, until you've been there, um, you just don't know how crippling it is. And I remember a friend saying to me, 
Um, this is a long time ago. And she just said, oh, for God's sake, Emma, pull yourself together. You're such a strong person. You'll be fine. And what I didn't know at the time was it was that strength and resilience that lay in me that was creating more anxiety because I was like, well, yeah, I should just pull myself together. And it's just not that easy. It doesn't work that way. And I feel like, um, you know, breath work is a way that you can override the story and the trying to fix yourself and the, you know, the criticism and why this is working. Like, it's like you get to override all that craziness and the thing that's actually creating the anxiety and bring you back to, like you said, that homeostasis, which I just think is, you know, gives us that opportunity to break the pattern because that's the hardest thing with anxiety. Like when I was doing, um, you know, anxiety disorder, I lived in a panic attack. So I actually had no break. It was just constant. And it was that that constant with no, you know, no moments in between. That was the hardest part. So I feel like breath, breath work, when we get, we give our brains evidence that, look, there is this gap. We can create a gra- gap here and we can keep creating that gap and then we keep growing the gap so it becomes, you know, like a section of our life and then we can, you know, do it in different environments. So now we're changing our association to environments. Like I just feel like it's so powerful. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been life-changing for me. I, I'm so passionate about it because I really do feel like, I first and foremost, before I even created the Academy of Breath and really when I was still just teaching breathwork in my yoga studios, I really felt like I was this walking testimonial for the power of breath. And it was just so cool to see it happen in real time in my own life. And I think, you know, oftentimes in the spiritual industry and and just the wellness world, there's a lot of things that we are told to do or are just like kind of like baked into being in wellness or being in the spiritual community that at least for me, and this might be a part of my design type as well too, at least for me, I was like, I want some, I want some grounded evidence. Like, is this actually working? And breathwork was one of those things. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, breathwork is one of these things where I'm like, I feel it working. Like it's not, it's not that every single session is this like come to Jesus moment, but every single session has created a state shift for me. And that was enough for me to go down the rabbit hole of like, what is this practice and how do we get it into every single household across this planet? (laughs) Yeah. I just, I love your passion and I think you're so right. You know, it's that one of the things, and for me, I was very much and very much like that with meditation, you know, because it had so much, and it's just like, if you just pay attention, do you feel better now than you did before? And like, it's always going to be a yes, you know, and that is like you were saying, I'm the same. I'm so results driven, evidence-based. I will give anything a shot. Um, And I just love that this is something again, that we, it's free that we can access it. The same as closing our eyes and just sitting with our breath. It's free. So we have access to this incredible gift. I just, yeah, I think it's very beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that I think oftentimes people resist in the beginning, but then once they actually get going, they start to experience momentum. And my favorite is when people will get the momentum, start feeling really good, and then have like a couple of days where they fall off and they're like, oh, whoa, wow, this is 
not how I want to feel. And it's so crazy that this simple practice that I'm allotting 10 to 20 minutes a day is making me feel that different. So oftentimes, even with my students, I'll be like, get into a good consistent pattern with it, but then skip two days and see how you feel just to like anchor it in even more the importance of it. Yeah. I love that. Yep. Just give them hard evidence again, my, my line three friend, I get you. Yeah. Um, so can you share a couple of practices that are going to help boost our energy, especially let's say we're a non-sacral being. Um, but even for me, like I'm a manifesting generator. I love the mornings, So I do a lot in the mornings and I work early and get up early and do all that sort of stuff. So sometimes in the afternoon, especially when my kids get home from school, I'm kind of like, Oh, I need to sleep. So yeah. maybe a couple of easy breathwork practices that can energize us, um, which let's just be really honest, is a much better choice than eating any sugar or having a coffee or something like that. So that would be great if you could share a couple of energizing, easy practices. Yeah, absolutely. So I always say that this is the substitute for a cup of coffee. This practice is called Bastrika and it is translated from Sanskrit bellows breath. Now, disclaimer, if you are somebody who is tending, tends to be more anxious or like you said, like lives in the panic attack where at any moment, like the world could collapse around you. And I say that with so much love. And I say this also with like the precaution of doing more energizing or activating practices when you are in that state will usually, um, end up perpetuating the sensations in the body because the reality is anytime that we're bringing in a more energizing practice, it is activating that sympathetic arousal, which is the same as the fight or flight response. Now, the, Difference is we are creating that state consciously to bring more energy into the body versus being a victim of it because of something that's happened outside of us that is causing us to feel unsafe in our environment or anxious um, or the mind causing that because we know that happens as well too. So if you are in like an active anxiety attack or an active panic attack or actively very stressed out, I actually, again, don't recommend doing an energizing practice in the moment. However, if you're at 3 p.m. feeling a little tired or lethargic and you still want to power through your day or in the morning you're feeling really good and you just want to amplify those feelings and like create some really powerful momentum for you, Bastrika is one of my favorite practices. And it's really simple. It's just a forceful inhale and a forceful exhale. So you're just breathing rapidly in and out. What's really important when you're doing this practice is that you're not just breathing into the chest, but you're send, you're still sending the breath down into the belly. So what I typically tell people when they're doing this practice first is to bring a hand onto their belly and a hand onto their heart. And as they're breathing in through the nose, feel the belly balloon. Once the belly is completely ballooned, then draw the breath into the chest. So you can feel the entire torso filling with air, or the entire lungs filling with air, and then exhale to release. And just doing that faster, in, out, in, out, in, out, using the entirety of the lungs. And that's the really important thing because if we're only breathing into the chest, we're only using one third of the lungs. And we really want to be using the entire capacity of our lungs anytime that we're doing any style of breath work. But that style, Bastrika, is pretty simple. It creates a pretty big shift in your energy quite quickly. Typically, I'll only do 
like 40 breath, three rounds of 40 breaths each. And by the end of it, I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's have an amazing day. So that's always my go-to for a more energizing practice that is going to create more of that um, sensational experience in the body where you're like, wow, I really feel this. Mm. I love that. I was breathing along. I wasn't, um, I didn't speed up, but I was definitely breathing along. And it made me think of something as well um, that maybe you could give the listeners an insight in as well. Because one uh, one thing I noticed is that when I first started meditating all those years ago, I almost couldn't even get my breath into my belly. Like it was such a concerted effort. Like I was breathing so high, obviously, because I was in anxiety all the time. Um, You know, it was all in the chest. And so often now I drop into meditation and I just get this big smile on my face because I can feel how deep the breath goes. So it's been this habit that I've created over time. Um, And I know that especially the meditation app I use, he's like he's very big on don't judge yourself on what expands and contracts, you know, like just let it be where it's at. How can people practice getting those deeper breaths? How do people actually... Um, start to move their breathing from up high in the chest, which often is aligned or associated with anxiety, to deeper down into their belly. What are some simple things they can do to be doing that? Yeah, it's so important that we're doing this and retraining ourselves how to breathe because that's a natural breath. It's it's not natural to only breathe in and out of the chest. And so if you notice, and even anybody listening right now, if you just notice like where you primarily feel your breath and if it's only in the chest, what's probably happened throughout your life is you've experienced a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, a lot of micro moments where you felt unsafe. And, you know, that's 99.9% of us. And so a lot of people, when they come to me, have to relearn how to breathe. And if we look at a baby or an animal and just watch them sleep or watch them breathe. It's the belly rising and falling, rising and falling. And so that's really what we want to get back to. And what I typically suggest doing is, like I said, putting a hand on your heart and a hand on your belly, closing your eyes down. Don't do it if you're driving though. (laughs) And breathing in through your nose. And again, visualizing your breath in your belly and feeling the belly expand away from belly button expands away from the spine. And the way that I typically will cue is belly, rib cage, chest, because that's the motion that we want it. We want it to go from lower belly into the rib, the rib cage expanding, then the heart expanding, and then reverse as we're exhaling. And so for somebody who maybe is doing that right now and is like, damn, that's really hard. What I actually suggest doing is trying to only move the belly when you're breathing, then only move the ribs when you're breathing, then only move the chest when you're breathing so that you can start to kind of compartmentalize each area and use your mind's focus to strengthen sending your breath into the deeper lobes of the lungs. Oh, good. I love that. That's brilliant. I've just been breathing along with you and all of a sudden I'm like, ah, you know, yeah. just chilled out and relaxed out here. Um, <laughs> Doesn't take much, that. right? So, yeah, peeps. Exactly right. Um, I, I want to ask a couple of things. I know that we're coming close to time, but I want to ask you a couple of things. Um, first thing, nose breathing. Like what's your opinion on nose breathing? Because I know there's been a lot of, um, you know, especially biohackers talk about you have to breathe through the nose. Human design actually, there's parts of human design that says, well, some people are nose breathers and some people are mouth breathers. Um, 
I, my husband, who is a projector, he sleeps with tape on his mouth so that he's, he's breathing in and out of his nose. Like a, I can't remember who, some biohacker. Um, yeah. so I really love your opinion on nose breathing. Yeah. So, you know, when we look at the science and the, and the way that the body adapts over time to mouth breathing versus nose breathing, we have found through studies that there are a lot of health indications or excuse me, not indications, but um, health issues that come up when people primarily breathe in and out of the mouth. And the first being the fact that the mouth doesn't have a filtration system. It doesn't have the intelligence of the nerves that are connected from the nasal cavity up into the brain telling the body whether or not to humidify the oxygen so that enough oxygen actually gets to the bloodstream and so that we have healthy, fresh oxygen moving through the body. And so from like a health perspective, when we breathe in and out of our nose, we're actually allowing the natural filtration system of the body to deliver the most oxygen available through every single breath to the heart and then to every single vital organ. So from a health perspective, it's incredibly important. The other thing to think about is that over time, the shape of the face actually shifts if we are breathing in and out of the nose or in and out of the mouth. And so oftentimes with um, people that primarily breathe through their mouth, their faces are going to be a little bit thinner. Uh, their jaw isn't as like wide and developed. So their teeth might actually be more crooked. Um, and they're going to have like a lot like thinner and sharper of features versus somebody who primarily breathes through the nose. Their jaw is going to grow all the way out. They're probably going to have straighter teeth. They're going to have a little bit more of a rounder face. And so it's really interesting to see over time how mouth breathing has actually changed our, like our bio makeup. Um, with that being said though, there are several breath practices that you do in and out of the mouth. And I never like scaring people when I say like, you should primarily be breathing through the nose because there are absolutely practices that are incredible techniques to achieve specific results for individuals that are done in and out of the mouth. But for the most part, we should be breathing in and out of the nose from like a health perspective. But I'm super interested to hear like the the why behind certain design types being more mouth breathers than nose breathers. I've never heard of that before. Yeah. So we actually just, um, it's got to do with our PHS and PHS is a new sort of part of human design. Um, so it's very much like I'm really big on, we shouldn't make our health decisions on our PHS. We should run the experiment. But, um, yeah, some are meant to be through the mouth and some are meant to be through the nose. Um, I also want to – the other thing I want to ask you about breath, and, you know, I think this is particularly specifically how it affects the brain, is I remember reading somewhere about yawning. So oftentimes, like, yes, we yawn when we're tired, but more likely – and I know this, like, watching my – I would yawn when I didn't have enough oxygen to the brain. And I didn't know whether I'd just read it somewhere and made it up. Um, is that true? Like that that oftentimes a yawn is more about getting ox oxygen to the brain than it is telling us that we're tired? 
So, you know, it's really interesting. There's a couple different things that I think about yawning and I will just say first and foremost, I'm pretty sure that yes, it is the, the fact that there's not enough oxygen coming to the brain, but, um, no one come at me if I'm wrong, because I, I've definitely read that somewhere as well too. Yeah. (laughs) Just testing things as I go. Um, but so, so yes. And also I, um, through different trauma trainings that I've done and just like nerve work, our nerves will, whenever trauma is being released or stress is being released from the body, will respond in different ways. And that might be yawning. It could be like a twitch of the body um, and or like even like something as simple as salivating. And so there are certain like mechanisms of the body that when we are finally giving ourselves the space to create that safety in the body, certain traumas or stresses that weren't able to be released or like areas of our health that weren't able to be restored because we were in that chronic stress state um, are able to actually like be released and be let go of. And so that could be something as well too. If somebody is noticing like during meditation or something, they're yawning or feeling like kind of like weird releases in the body. Yeah, I love that. I think also part of mine as you were speaking, um, it very much came in for me. Like I'll often yawn um as well if I've been holding my breath if I've been anxious um and whatever the thing that I've been you know anxious or stressed about passes then all of a sudden I start yawning so that would make sense it's just like getting as much oxygen into the body oh my god Ava I could talk to you all day about breath work um unfortunately we are at time and I really want to make sure that everyone can find you so I know you have a certification program as well. Do you want to tell a little bit, a little, would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about that and where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, this conversation was so fun and I'm so excited that you get to come on my podcast so we get to continue talking. So the Academy of Breath is our online education platform that is a number of different programs. Our signature program is our 12-week breathwork and meditation certification program. And that's really for teachers, coaches, mentors, healers that want to either A, start a breathwork business or B, add breathwork as an expansion to their core offering. So like I said, we've got human design coaches and mentors that come in. We have um, life coaches, business coaches. We have yoga teachers, fitness professionals, essentially anyone who knows the power of breath and wants to bring it into their work that they do with clients, but also in their own personal life. And we also have a personal study like um, DIY course that you go through on your own. It's six modules. It's called Foundations. And that's more so for the person who wants to get their feet wet, but doesn't necessarily want to get certified. And that's a really beautiful program that takes you through a journey of first and foremost, recovering, releasing the stress, creating safety in your body. And then for from there, starting to shift your identity and really use breathwork as a tool for personal growth and evolution. So those are like the two big programs that we are known for. And then we also have a membership for space holders and facilitators called Mindful Masters. And that's more so using breathwork and meditation in your business for specifically like creative ideas, um, space holding with your clients and all of the nuances of entrepreneurship. So if anyone's interested in anything that we're doing, our website is academyofbreath.org. My Instagram is at Ava Johanna. And um, we also have at Academy of Breath. 
as our um, Instagram as well, too. So we've got a couple different places where you can follow along. And if anyone has any questions, I'm an open book. So feel free to send me a DM. I love that. Well, thank you, Ava, so much for being here. I'm you know, so confident that all the listeners got something, at least one thing from today. I know that I'm going to go out and practice all the breaths that you taught, taught us today. I'm going to give them all a shot. Um, imperfectly implement, that's me. Um, yes. Thank you so much for being here. It's been fantastic. Thank you for having me. Thank you, everyone else, for being here. I trust you got what you needed from today's episode and I look forward to having you on the next one. Bye for now. Thanks, everyone, for being here all the way to the end of the podcast. I hope you got lots of value out of it. I certainly had a lot of fun doing it. Could I please ask that you share this podcast with friends if you found it valuable? And also, bonus points, could you leave a review for me as well on Apple? It would be greatly appreciated. If at any point you would like to be on the podcast or you've got questions that you'd like me to discuss on the podcast, by all means, get on my socials and DM me. Everything you need is there in the show notes. Have an awesome day. Bye for now.